So the word revolution, we've been talking about a love revolution. And when you think about the word revolution, it often is a catalyst. It stirs up within us words like passion and hope and purpose. All of those things are wrapped up into the word revolution. And it just so happens that Jesus, the Son of God, he comes to earth and he is the author, the creator of the greatest love revolution that all of humanity has ever seen or will see. And then in his genius way, he exits the earth, says that he'll send us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers us to live out this love revolution through the first and second commandment. And he says, I'll sum up everything into the first and second commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and your strength, or translated as resources. And then he says, then you will learn to love your neighbor as yourself. This is how you will fulfill this love revolution. And we have to understand that this love revolution is, it's more than a great idea. It's more than a a campaign slogan. It's more than the, the title of a, of a great song called Love Revolution. We have to understand that a love revolution is fulfilling Jesus' mission to heal humanity. That's what a love revolution is. The word love, let's be honest, the word love has become very watered down, right? Think about this. It's become overused. Think about it. We, we fill in the blanks, okay? We often say, I love, and then we fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. I love that car. I really love those shoes. I love that steak at Firebirds. Boy, I really love that song, right? Everything is love, 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 love this, love that. I love Asian food. I love tacos. I love, I love, and before you know it, we have watered down, we have overused the real definition of love. Love is a choice. See, Jesus, God and Holy Spirit, created us with a thing called free will that we have this ability to choose. We have the ability that we can choose to love anyone or something that we want. And part of fulfilling a love revolution is that we are choosing to love Jesus. And in our choosing to love Jesus, we are partnering with him and saying that we agree with his commandments. And not only that, we will choose to love others the way we love ourselves, according to the first and second commandment. That's what a love revolution is. We are choosing to love the unimportant. Because we choose to love Jesus, therefore now we choose to love the curious. And because we choose to love Jesus, we choose to love the outcast. Jesus had just finished teaching the infamous Sermon on the Mount. And he's coming down off of the mountain and the crowds are still around him. They're still pursuing him. But there was something different about this day. 
It wasn't the normal day that Jesus was used to. There was something a little bit off. There was something a little bit different in the air. There was a sound in the air. There was a ringing of a bell through the air. And everyone knew what that bell was. And it was accompanied by the words, unclean, 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 I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Never before had Jesus been so approachable, so accessible. It wasn't his intention, but like in culture, he was seen as kind of a movie star. One of the untouchables, the unapproachables. Because of the crowds were pressing in all the time around him. We see example after example in the scriptures. He tried to get away just to have time by himself. And, but there was something different about this moment. Never before was Jesus so accessible, so touchable, so real, so present. Why? Because of an outcast called a leper. No one wanted to be around a leper. Someone who was inflicted with a disease that covered their entire body from head to toe. Spread rapidly, uncontrollably painful, agonizing, causing their skin to to bubble up and burst open and seep and, and begin to crack and break. And before you know it, eventually it would get so bad that they would begin to lose members of their body just at will. They would wake up and they would lose a finger, a toe, a leg, whatever it was, because it was eating away at their body. And if we understand Jewish culture Someone who was a leper, they were considered an outcast. They were considered unclean, unapproachable, untouchable. They were separated. And they were given boundaries. Boundaries that were enforced on them. Boundaries not by their choice, but by society. You're a leper? Well, then the rest of your life, until you die, you will carry a bell around your neck. And wherever you go, you will ring it. When you go to the mall, when you go to your favorite restaurant, when you go to get groceries, when you go to the gas station, you'll ring your bell to declare to all the rest of society around you, and you will accompany that bell sound with the words unclean, deformed, outcast, rejected, unaccepted. Oh, and one more boundary. No one's allowed to get within eight feet of you because of your disease. So when you ring the bell and declare unclean, don't be surprised that the crowds will part like the Red Sea because no one is allowed to get eight feet within your presence. And so this leper makes this bold move and he approaches the Messiah against everything that society is telling him. And we find this leper account. And when we find this leper account, we begin to read it and we realize that sometimes we forget that we were once the outcast. In our modern day, when we think about this leper account, we forget that we were once the outcast. We can relate to the leper because for all of us in this room, at some point we have felt rejection. We felt it, we've heard it, we've received it. 
Maybe because of our social status. Maybe because of our physical appearance. Maybe because we just can't relate or jive. And we end up knowing what it's like to be a leper in the Bible. We also can relate to the leper of what it feels like to be an outcast, to be a leper spiritually. Because before we know Jesus, we're a leper, we're an outcast. We can read about this leper encounter in Matthew chapter 8 this morning. That's where we're going to be. So if you want to turn your Bibles with me or look on the screen or on your outline, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to start with verses 1 and 2. It says this, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Before Jesus enters our hearts, every single one of us is an outcast. We, we stand before the throne of God and we are out of place. Rightfully so, because he is holy, he is great, he is righteous, and within us is sin. Therefore, we are imperfect and we stand before the throne of God. And in essence, we have to ring a bell saying, we're unclean, we're unclean, we're, we're unacceptable, we're the outcasts. And if, if you're willing... If you're willing. But because of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross for us, it enables us to stand before the throne and be seen no longer as an outcast. We're able to be seen as pure and clean through the lens of Jesus Christ. And we're no longer out of place, but we're somewhere where we belong. And part of fulfilling this love revolution is fulfilling the second commandment, which is what? I just said it a few moments ago. What is the second commandment? Right. We love one another. We love our neighbor as ourself. We love each other as ourselves. And, and if you break down the Greek and you break down the Hebrew of the word neighbor, it actually means anyone within a six-foot radius of you, that you must love them as yourself. It's a commandment. That can be pretty hard. It can be really hard, right? But how do we love the outcast? How do we love the poor? How do we love the disenfranchised? How do we love those who have not yet encountered Jesus? Because let's be honest, it's, it seems easier, right? Let, let's get real this morning, okay? Can we do that? It seems easier that once we're no longer in the outcast category, that we're no longer in the leper category, but we're in the Jesus category, it seems easier, right? That we can, we can hang together, we can relate together, we're, we can tolerate each other better, Right? And we, we begin to forget that we were once the outcast. We once had a bell. We, we once had to declare from our lips that we were unclean. And Jesus comes along and changes all that, and we get caught up in all of everything else that Jesus has, and we get caught up in his majesty, and we get caught up in everything else, and, and then we, we look around, and we like what we see, and we like what we feel, and we like to fit in, but we're missing out on the love revolution. We're missing out on loving our neighbor as ourself, the poor and the disenfranchised and those who don't know Jesus. And I've come to realize that out of this scripture, there was one thing that, 
that Jesus said, and it's something we got to realize is this, is that if we want to be part of this love revolution, then we have to, we must be willing. It's just so simple. We just got to be willing. <laughs> There's no great revelation with that, no great illumination. It's just simple. We got to be willing. That's what Rabbi Jesus did. He was, he was willing. He was willing. He was, he was willing to go past the cultural boundaries. He, he was willing to reach out and, and touch the diseased. He was, he was willing to, to not worry about what everyone else was going to say. He was willing. I want us to watch a, a video about two guys, one named Joe and one named Jason. Um, I can tell you that at age 63, uh, I'm the happiest and uh, that I have ever been in my life. It's funny, we were having coffee and um, I have about three friends that I'm very close to that are all named Joe. And so after a couple coffee times, I was kind of relaying the story back to my family. Hey, I met with Joe and they're like, Joe who? And so it became like the adjective of how to describe him. So I'm like, no, 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 not that Joe, not Joe Smith or, or Joe Ritchie. Um, it, it's gay Joe. And then I started kind of feeling bad that I was calling him that. So when um when we caught up, I said, hey, I just need to tell you, I've been a calling you gay Joe. And he's like, well, you know, I'm gay and my name's Joe. So that's me. One of the questions I always ask, because I'm sort of a, a stirrer upper or, and, and curious, as to how, does, how did he feel about being in a church that was open and affirming. And to my surprise, Jason said, I love it. I think it's great. I want every church, I want the church that I'm part of to be open with accepting arms, to say, hey, listen, I love you for who you are, not where you are, because unless we give them an opportunity to be in proximity to the message of hope, They'll never understand the, the liberating power of that message. He said to me, would you like to have coffee? I said, sure, why not? So we had coffee that first time. We spent a lot of time talking and we realized that uh, we agree about more than we disagree on. And I was impressed with his heart and his feelings for people and how he dealt with people. Every agreement became a building block to the friendship. A strong foundation was made, um, but it gave me an opportunity to explain to him uh, the scriptures. One of the things I realized early on in our dialogue was that he was walking a very, very fine line with his own congregation. And I was concerned about him because I knew he has a lovely wife and two beautiful children. And I know how ugly people can be. So I uh, cautioned him and I said to, to him, uh, have you any idea what this is going to mean to you in terms of um, your congregation and the conservative uh, folks that are in your congregation? 
So Jason states, and he makes this statement about how will anyone know or experience the hope if we were unwilling. I have to think about this, and I wonder, loving those who are deemed as outcasts, what does that look like when it means that we have to love them the way we love ourselves? And if we're a community of followers of Jesus that are doing life together, then that means when we love the outcast, when we love the leper, it means that we have to put forth our best of what we would want for ourselves. Let's think about this for a moment. Your typical day, I don't know what time it would be. Let's just say hypothetically, you have to be to work at 8 a.m., And so, obviously, you get dressed for your job, whether that's a uniform or clothes that you desire to to wear. And one of the things that you want to treat yourself to is a nice hot cup of Starbucks coffee, right? So you leave early, and you make sure that you get that nice hot cup of Starbucks coffee, and you get there to work. And you go in, and you're doing your normal day. And the thing is about all of this, it's not about work, it's not about the coffee. What it is is that everything that we do all day through work, with family, wherever we go, it always has the intention about us. And we're always looking to make sure we take care of ourselves. That's our intention, right? Think about your day. Think about your day and who did it really revolve around, right? Think about your day in the family that when the kids get upset, are are you really in the mode of like, oh, my child's upset and screaming and crying and their faces beat red, you know, and they're hawking up loogies, you know, gosh, I can't wait to love them. No, you're not. You get upset. Why do you get upset? Not because your kid's sick, because the kid being sick is inconveniencing you. That's why we get upset. We don't get upset because our child's sick. We don't get upset because, you know, everything is going wrong at work. That's not why. We get upset because it inconveniences us. And that is not part of a love revolution to love humanity. That, that's loving ourselves, but not loving everyone else's ourselves. But, but here's the thing we have to understand. We're great at fulfilling the second commandment partially. We're great at fulfilling all the way through to love your neighbor. But we usually leave off the end of love our neighbor as our self. There's a difference there. We have to be able to give our best to those who are in need, to everybody that we encounter. And so we have to remember this, that when we love others and when we are willing, that means we have to give forth our best to them in everything that we do because we want to take care of us. So therefore, if we love ourselves, then we will take care of them the way we take care of ourselves. Not only do we remember that we have a beginning, that we were once the outcast. Not only do we remember that we have to become willing if we are going to continue this love revolution, but we also remember this is that love destroys legalism. Love destroys legalism. That word legalism sometimes gets really confused, right? We throw it around and we're like, oh, that's legalistic. 
That's so religious. And so this morning, I want to define for us what legalism is. Legalism is simply this, a concept of earning salvation by doing good works. It is a concept of earning salvation by doing good works. For example, when we say this, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Does that sound familiar? That's an example of legalism. That if I do this specific thing this many times, I will definitely go to heaven. That is legalism. And here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, we begin to see how love breaks down and destroys legalism. So we just continued and left off where the leper asked Jesus and say, if you're willing, will you heal me? And now here we get to Jesus's response. Jesus reached out in his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Legalism doesn't work because no one is good enough except Jesus. Let me repeat that. Legalism doesn't work because no one is good enough but Jesus. So now I'm sure some of you are thinking, you're like, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a Jew. And Jesus touched an unclean person. He touched a leper. And according to Jewish law, you can't touch somebody who is unclean because now you have become unclean. So something, something is wrong. Is Jesus breaking the commandments? Is Jesus breaking the commandments that his father set in place? Is he, is he you know, going out from under the authority of God and on his own now? No, he's not. Here's the thing. With Jesus' touch, nothing remains defiled. With Jesus' touch, nothing remains defiled. Joe, come here. So let's just for a moment hypothetically say that Joe is the leper. I am not Jesus by any means, just so we're clear. But Joe is this leper, and, and, and in, in the scripture, it says that Jesus touched him. And if you break down this, this understanding of this, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like Jesus was like, yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm willing, whatever I can do with this. Um, okay, hang on a sec. We'll see if this works. Okay, he didn't like take the tip of his finger and reach out. He wasn't repulsed. He wasn't taken back. He wasn't like, oh, hey, yeah, I, I'm willing. There was nothing like that. But Jesus comes to him and it says that he touched him. And if you actually break down and you study the Greek word, it actually says that he fashioned himself. He embraced the leper. Thank you. It says he fashioned himself to the leper. He hugged and he embraced him. It was an action. It was a, a verb. Jesus physically and spiritually and emotionally breaks down legalism in one move. 
goes against what culture was saying and telling him everything that he shouldn't because Jesus' touch never leaves anything defiled. Nothing can remain defiled in the presence and touch of Jesus. Now get this, guys. This is the best part of it all. If this same Jesus that we read about is living within us, now are you following me? The same Jesus that we read about and we believe in and we accept into our heart is living within us, then that means we have the same touch to extend to any and every outcast, leper that surrounds us in our lives. We have been empowered with a love revolution to embrace those which culture has deemed as an outcast. Not just touch, but embrace and breaking down that legalism. Before the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, you would go into the temple and there was several courts. And you can see here in the picture, and right there where that circle is, there was a wall, and that wall was around five foot high, five feet high, maybe six, give or take. And that wall was put there on purpose. It was intentional. Because before you go in there, you, you see that little part there where you're in between those two walls before you get in. And that wall that was put there was put there intentionally because you couldn't go past it if you were not a Jew. Once, if you were a Jew, you could go past that five-foot wall. But if you were not, if you were a Gentile, those who were not Jewish, or you were actually a leper, or what they deemed as the unacceptables, you couldn't go past that five-foot wall or you would die. Paul tells us in Ephesians, the love revolution continues in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, this is what Paul says. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. You know what's crazy is that they had a chamber called the chamber of the leper. So when the leper would go to the temple, they had to be contained in that chamber. They couldn't go beyond it. Those who weren't Jewish couldn't go beyond the wall. Those who were deemed unacceptable could not go beyond the wall. And here we have Jesus, the Messiah, who has not yet gone to the cross. He comes along and he begins to break down the wall that separates everyone from the holy place. He begins to break down the wall by his actions and he embraces the leper and he breaks down that barrier. And this is what that wall symbolized. Jesus dies for all of mankind and his touch, his very touch destroys the walls of pride, destroys the walls of racism and status and bitterness and, and social acceptance. And Jesus begins to break down that wall. And here then Paul writes about it later on in Ephesians and he says the wall has been destroyed, it's been taken down. It's a love revolution. 
This wall is torn down. This example is set before us in how to love the outcast. Because the very love of Jesus within us, really loving others as ourselves, means that we're able to break down these walls to operate within a love revolution that helps those who are in need, to live in a place of uncompromising kindness, and to heal humanity one person at a time. Let's go ahead and listen to the remainder of the story between Joe and Jason. Um, Shortly after um, the relationship with Joe began to uh, mature and to take root, um, there were certain events in our city that we had committed to being part of as an outreach. Um, One of them was passing out water bottles at the the Gay Pride Parade. Well, when these uh, people that um, are, in my opinion, just hate-filled, found out that I was there and that we had representation there as an outreach, they showed up at our church in full force and began to picket. Well, when I hear the word Christian, I used to cringe a little bit because I would think these folks are, uh, for lack of a better term, Bible thumpers, right-wingers, do not like gay people, won't allow them in their churches, all these kinds of things. I've seen it, just being around him. I've been uh, yelled at and I've been judged because I was walking with him. And people had no idea that I was a pastor at a church. Um, So I think we have some work to do, and I think we can work at um, trying to undo some of those stereotypes by practicing empathy. I think empathy is understanding that other people are in a different plight and a different journey, and just for a moment I seek to feel what you feel. You know, let's look at people as individuals and not as a group, and try to be as inclusive as you can. And every, everyone needs to be treated with dignity and respect, even though you may not believe in their lifestyle or what they believe in, I believe there's more of a connection there than there is a disconnection. And I think that's gonna help us all. Jesus loves Joe because the scripture says that while we were still sinning, God demonstrated his love for us, that he sent Christ to die for us. And um, I love that because it says, while I was still messed up, while I was still face down in the gutter of my own circumstance and situation, Jesus was willing to stretch out his arms and and die for me. And um, I love the fact that that's inclusive of all people for whoever calls on the name of God. please stand. I'm going to ask that our intercessors and our elders and all of you, if you would come to the front uh, and take your place up here, that'd be great. You can come now. In just a few moments, we'll be having some time after service that if you need prayer for healing or prayer in general, whatever it may be, we're going to have some individuals that are here available for you to pray with you and spend some time with you. But before we go and before I pray for you, I want to remind us simply this. As a community of followers of Jesus doing life together, we are on a journey with a love revolution. And this love revolution is not just another title to a great sermon series. 
It's not just another great campaign name. It's not just another theme that will wash away and we'll remember it in time. This is a biblical concept that Jesus came to the earth to give us to live out. And if we are followers of Jesus, then we were always, we were always on a constant journey of this love revolution, not only to love God with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength, but to love one another as ourselves. And that's what it really means to love the outcast, to love the leper. And my challenge to you is this, that we will just be like Jesus and that we will be willing, that we will remember that we were once the outcast. And that really realizing that the love of Christ is what destroys legalism, legalism so that we can embrace those that society does not want to embrace. Now let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your truth. And I thank you that it is living and that there is power in it. And Father, I pray that just as Jesus demonstrated for us what it means to really love those that are rejected by society, that you would remember, bring us to remembrance that, that we were once an outcast before you, that we were once out of place before your presence, but because of Christ, we're in a new place. And that new place is not just for us, but is for all of mankind. And I pray, Lord, that, that we would be we would be that very presence, just like Jesus, everywhere that we go, and that we would have a willingness. And Father, that we would go beyond those things that block, those things that would try to hold us back from taking hold of those who are not accepted by society and loving them and showing them what it really means to be loved by Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Have a great week.